Well, thank you, uh, Ben, and uh, the team this morning. Didn't they do a great job this morning? I appreciate uh, them. I just, I just noticed that my steps are not here, so uh, I'm glad I looked. That would have been a bigger step than I thought, right? How many of you are, uh, would, would you claim yourself as to be, you are cheap? You don't like to spend money. Anybody cheap, all right, tight wads in here? I was thinking about that today. Uh, uh, my, my outfit here, I, I, I'm one of you. I, am, I don't like to spend money. I'm, there are some things I do want to spend money on. Clothes is not one of them. Can I get an amen? amen? All the men in the room said amen. I don't know about all the ladies, but like I got my watch for seven bucks at Walmart. Isn't it nice? Great. It's awesome. I bought this shirt at Ross for $10. My, my shirt underneath it is a Hallmark Kids shirt that I stole out of the resource room. <laughs> Today we're talking about confession, so there's mine. Uh, my jeans, my daughter bought these uh, for me when she worked at Old Navy and got 50% off. Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> and my shoes, my dad gave me these shoes like 10 years ago because they hurt his feet. So I don't, I don't know. But I, I tell you all that because I have always kind of thought about I, I like the idea of having crazy socks. How many of you wear crazy socks? But I don't, I'm too cheap. I'm not spending the money. So last week, if you were here, uh, the kids and their parents mainly got me socks. And so I have some nice shark socks on. Right, right. So, hey, I, I can still wear them, and, and I got off. I didn't have to buy them, all right? So today, Psalms 51, turn there with me. I appreciate Dave reading our text for us this morning. And... It's about confession and repentance, and I, I didn't look yet. Are my parents in the room this morning? I, how many of you have in your, uh, in your family, there's this, this unsolved mystery in your home about something that was broken? Anybody have those? You probably have boys if you have those. And I remember there's this... Uh, a red ceramic cardinal, I think on a tree limb, I don't remember for sure, that was broken and it remains an unsolved mystery in our family. Today, since we're talking about Psalms 51 and confession, I would like to confess that I didn't do it. I, I didn't do it. I thought with this setup, they would for sure believe me now. I really did. I mean, if I did it, I remember, okay? Let's put it that way. I do not recall. All right, Psalms 51. Some of you know what I was saying there. Psalms chapter 51. Let me read just a few descriptions about the book of Psalms. We're going to spend six weeks going through some selected passages in Psalms. And the selected passages, most of them were selected by, by you. So a month or so ago, or maybe three weeks ago, I put on Facebook, I asked, give me some of your favorite psalms, and you guys responded with like 150 comments or something like that, and so I just kind of started tallying up the top five or six psalms that are your favorites, and so this was one of them in Psalms chapter 51, and so we're going to spend a few weeks, but let me read this. The psalms are inspired responses of human hearts to God's revelation of himself in law history and prophecy. Listen, this is one of the reasons I think that for me, I love reading the Psalms. I love reading uh, because it seems, they seem so real and so raw. Uh, you, can, you can see and, and, and just kind of feel 
and, and understand and identify with the authors, can't you? Like it's amazing how God inspired them through the Holy Spirit and yet somehow allowed their own personalities and their own struggles to be a part of their writing. Like when they were angry with God, they said, God, why are you, why, why are you not hearing me? Why, are, why am I cast down? Why, why have you put me away from you? God, I, anybody ever felt like God is just distant? And you read through Psalms and you see that some of the authors feel exactly like we feel. And, and I'm thankful that God is, is way bigger than my problems. I'm also thankful that God is way bigger than my doubts. And that when I'm like struggling with something that God, I don't understand. And God, it doesn't make sense. And God, are you even real? Are you listening? Do you know what I'm going through? And I struggle with that. Do, do you realize that God is not threatened by my doubts. God is not threatened with me questioning him. I think we view God sometimes how we view other people and how we ourselves handle things. Because when you question me about something or decision I've made, my natural response is to be a little defensive. I may not come across that way, but internally I'm like, I don't like this questioning. I did it because I wanted to, you know, whatever it might be. And, and I'm guessing you're just like me, that you are maybe a little, for me, and I think for most of it, there's this little bit of insecurity that when someone questions a decision I've made, that I get a little defensive. And I think sometimes we think God is that way towards us. But let me just explain something for you. God's not insecure about anything. God's in control, and so it's okay to question God. That God would invite the questioning, and that's what we see in the book of Psalms. Is God, why, why are you distant? Why aren't you hearing me? And I think that's why I like the book of Psalms so much, that these authors just pour out their heart before God. And, and, and what always happens in those chapters when they're questioning God, it always ends up in praise of who God is. Here's another one. Because of Psalms formed the hymnal of the temple, they often celebrate the ordinances of the sanctuary. They exalt the privilege of drawing near to God in His holy mountain. The aspect of the Psalms combined with their display of personal religious feelings make them the most powerful and complete expression of the worship of the ancient Israelites. Now, commentary more specifically on the book of Psalm, the chapter we're going to look at this, this morning. The message of this psalm is that the vilest offender, the most wicked person among God's people or among God's church, are you tracking with me? It's the most wicked person can appeal to God for forgiveness. Like you haven't done something so bad that God can't forgive you. For moral restoration and for the resumption of a joyful life of fellowship and service, if he comes with the, if, if that person asking for forgiveness comes with a broken spirit and bases his appeal on God's compassion, God's mercy, and God's grace. Are you, the title of the message there in your bulletin, I encourage you to get your bulletin out, follow along, take some notes, and, and, and use it this week. Continue to pour over this. The God of second chances. I'm thankful that God gives more than just second chances, like third and fourth chances, right? I'm thankful for that. But in this chapter that David read for us already this morning, 
Let me give you the context of that chapter. So hold your, hold your place in Psalm 51. We're going to get there. And then turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 11. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. And we're going to get the context. David is the author of Psalm 51. And David obviously is asking God. He's confessing. He's repenting of his sin. We're going to get to it in a moment in the outline. But he asks for three specific things. But why is David asking and repenting? What is, what is the sin that he's confessing? And so let's look at the context, the sin that David is confessing in Psalms chapter 51. In 2 Samuel chapter number 11, let's look at verses 1 through 5. It, it happened in the spring of the year. And I think you maybe could underline the next phrase here in verse 1. At the time when kings go out to battle, David was the king. And so Samuel is telling, telling us here the season of time, uh, it was in the spring, and this was the season when the kings go out to battle. David is a king, all right? So look what it says as it continues. David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But, key transitional word there, thought, David remained at Jerusalem. So Samuel's told us a lot in this first verse, hadn't he, that where should have David been? Because kings should have been at battle, but where was David? He remained in Jerusalem. And so just a quick a way of application here is that when we're not where we're supposed to be, we probably will do things we're not supposed to do, all right? It's really simple. Verse 2, then it happened over, or excuse me, it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David went and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So just pause for a moment here. There's a warning in this question. It doesn't tell us who asked the question, but someone is looking out for King David. Someone is trying to, even though it's the king, and, and you know in this culture you're not supposed to disagree with the king because... Things don't go well for people who disagree with the king. And so this person, someone, doesn't say who, is questioning David. Isn't this lady that you want us to bring to you a married woman? Then David sent messengers, verse 4, and took her and came to him. And she came to him and he lay with her for she was cleansed from her impurity and she returned to her house. Verse 5, and the woman conceived so she sent and told David and said... I am with child. Uh-oh. David has sinned, and now his sin is going to be found out. What should David do at this moment? Confess his sin. He should confess it before God. He should, uh, David Wenger always says, the things that, that we cover up, God will uncover. But the things that we uncover, God will cover for us. And, and so here's what David should have done. He should have confessed his sin. But what do you, you know the story. What does David do? David decides he's going to hide it. So David sends for Bathsheba's wife, uh, husband, Uriah. And Uriah comes from the battlefield where David should have been, right? And he comes home and David's assumption is that Uriah, he's been away at battle for who knows how long. He's going to come home to his wife. He's going to be with his wife. And then everyone would just assume and Uriah would just assume that he got his wife pregnant. No one would know the difference. Just Bathsheba and David. 
So he sends for Uriah. Uriah comes, and Uriah is much more noble at this, this point in time than David is. Look, look what Uriah does. Uh, the next verse, just a few verses down, verse number 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. And Uriah said to David, so Uriah doesn't go into his house. He sleeps at the porch of the king's throne, the, the king's palace. So David, verse 11 says, And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord uh, Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I go to my house and eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live, as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. My men are in battle. I'm going to stay outside like my men are. Wow, Uriah is a man of character, isn't he? Much more character than David is displaying in this, in this point in time. So David thinks, well, that didn't work. I'm gonna, he asked Uriah to stay one more night, and he's going to bring Uriah into the palace, and he's going to get him drunk. And, of course, if he gets drunk, then, of course, he's going to go back home to his wife. And guess what? Uriah doesn't. He sleeps outside again. He is still a man of character. And David, again, is like, well, I don't know what to do now. And so what is, what's the next step? Instead of confessing at this moment... What does David do? He, he goes a little farther into his sin. Like they say, one lie always leads to another lie, right? And so he sends note with Uriah to give to the commander that was really his death sentence. The note would tell the commander to, to put Uriah at the front lines and then pull back, and so Uriah would be killed in battle. And that's exactly what happened. And then at the end of the chapter... After Uriah is off the scene, David now takes Bathsheba to be his wife, still hiding and covering his sin. Does that sound like what, remember what the description of, of David was, that he's a man after God's own heart. In fact, look at the verse on top of your bulletin this morning that says, 1 Kings 15, 5, because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he had commanded him all the days of his life. And don't you wish there was a period there? But what's the rest of the verse say? Except in the matter of Uriah. And David continues to hide his sin. His son is born and he still does not confess his sin. And at this point, I'm assuming that he, feel, he, he assumes that he's gotten away with it. Nobody knows. Then the prophet Nathan comes into him and read the first part there of, of 2 Samuel chapter 12 and tells him the story. And David being just and righteous, this man should die. And Nathan says what? You are the man. And you're right, David. You should die. David all of a sudden realizes that his sin that he thought was hidden, God knows. Can we hide anything from God? But we often assume we can, right? And we often live like we can, and we often think we can, and we often assume that we, we can do whatever, and God, you know, like no one else knows, so God, God, doesn't, understand, God doesn't care, right? And so David is presented and he's confronted with the reality that God knows the sin and the prophet Nathan knows the sin. What should he do and how should he respond? For at least probably a year, at least nine months, right? Because his son has been born. So at least for nine months he's been hiding and covering the sin and he's been living in his sin. And now he's confronted with it. 
What is he going to do? I think it's a question that all of us in the room need to ask for ourselves. When we're confronted with sin, what do we do? Maybe this morning as we read through our text, and maybe this morning as, as you have listened and sang this song, that your loving kindness leads me to what? Repentance. It's your mercy and your grace. Maybe you walked in this morning and there's sin in your life that you've been hiding. There's sin in your life that you need to confess. And David is at this point. God, he knows, knows. Nathan the prophet knows. And the penalty for his sin is what? The truth is, every one of us in the room at some point in our life, maybe it's today, maybe it was like for me, it was when I was 17 years old, I, I came to the point to realize that I had sinned before God. Romans 3.23 says that all have what? Sinned. Turn with me for a second. Hold your spot in a second. Turn with me to, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter number 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of the glory of God. And maybe today, maybe, maybe God's revealed to you this morning that you are a sinner and that you need to plead for the grace of God in your life. Look at what verse 24 says. Romans three twenty-four, being justified freely by his what? Grace. God's, God's grace is available for everybody in this room. And it's free to you. Was his grace, was it free to everyone? Or did somebody have to pay for that grace? Well, look at the rest of the verse. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The grace is free to me and you, but somebody paid a price for that grace, didn't they? Jesus. Jesus died on the cross so that I could have forgiveness of sins, so that I could have eternal home in heaven, so that I could stand justified when I stand before God, my creator. The next verse, verse 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because his, in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This morning the, the Bible is very clear that the wages of sin is death. David deserved death. Everyone in the room, uh, we've been born into sin. We are all sinners, and our punishment for our sin is what? Death. That's eternal separation from God, our creator. But because God is rich in his mercy toward us, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin dead. And all we have to do is confess our sins. Paul says in Romans 10, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, we shall be what? Saved. For with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made Unto what? Salvation. That God's righteousness, righteousness is placed on me. 
Can I challenge everyone in here this morning? If you've never called on the grace and mercy of God for forgiveness of your sins, don't leave today without doing that. At the close of the service, I'm going to be standing right down here. There will be other people standing here. And if you would like to know how you can give your life to Jesus Christ, walk down here, shake any one of our hands, and we would be glad to show you. We would be glad to reveal to you how God paid for your sin debt and how you can have forgiveness of sins. So David is confronted with his sin, and what is he going to do? Let's look back in our text in 2 Samuel. Turn me back to 2 Samuel. Second Samuel, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. What do you think David felt like at that moment? What do you think David was experiencing in that moment? God's grace was applied to him. We don't have time this morning to look at it, but in, in, I would write a note out that in Psalms chapter number 32, Psalms chapter number 32 is, a, is written after Psalms 51, and after David has confessed his sin in Psalms 51, then he writes a song of praise in, in Psalms chapter 32. In Psalms 32, what he says is, when, I, when the sin was in me and I was unconfessed sin, it tore me up. That unconfessed sin in my life was a misery. It was terrible. It was, it was something I would never want to go through. In Psalms 32, he talks about it. So David receives grace from God. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 51. You have the context of his confession now. He sinned. He covered it up. He sinned some more. He covered it up. God uncovered his sin. And he pleaded for forgiveness in Psalms chapter 51. Three, con- three really requests made here. Number one, if you're taking notes on your bulletin, he simply said, cleanse me. Cleanse me. Psalms chapter 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was wrought forth in iniquity and sin. My mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And David here prays, God cleanse me, and he cries out for God's mercy. Have you experienced God's mercy in your life? Mercy is really simple, isn't it? So there's this, this uh, definition for you on your bulletin. Mercy is simple, not getting what I do deserve. And what everyone deserves is we deserve death. We just talked about that. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And, and because of our sin, our punishment is that we deserve death. But because of the mercy of God, we don't get our punishment. And that's what David cries out for. God, I need mercy. And and could I say this morning, 
Maybe you've given your life to Christ, and I'm thankful you have. But maybe like David this morning, there's unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe there's relationships that you know that you're a part of that you shouldn't be a part of. Maybe you're fudging the numbers at work, right? No one knows. Maybe there's some even deeper issues that you're dealing with. Read Psalms chapter 32 and realize God's mercy is available, but you have to ask for it. And you have to to repent. Cleanse me, Lord. Confession. I love 1 John 1 9. If we confess, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Maybe, maybe the reason God is distant is because there's sin in your life. Maybe the reason you don't, you don't sense victory is because there's unconfessed sin in your life. And can I just be really completely honest with you this morning? You're never going to be free until you confess. Freedom comes through confession. And David cried out to God, cleanse me, wash me. The next part of that, number two, is he said, restore me. Look at verse number eight. Cleanse me, God. And then verse number eight, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. On your outline this morning in your bulletin, there's these two words, remorse and repentance. What we see in this passage of Scripture, David pray and his cry out to God is much more than remorse. Remorse is me-centered, and we've all dealt with remorse, right? We're sorry we got caught because there's going to be consequences of our sin, right? We're sorry that we got caught because now we're in trouble. We're sorry we got caught because we're going to lose some privileges. We're sorry we got caught because it had a bad effect or because people think differently of us now. I think that's one of the biggest reasons we don't confess is because we are worried about what someone may think of us if they find out what we're up to. So there's this remorse that's centered on me. How's it going to affect me? And I'm sorry I got caught. There's also repentance. And look what the difference is. Repentance is not me-centered. It is God-centered. Look in our text here. Look what he says in verse uh, uh, 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. 
David is a king here, and what David, when, when this confession or when what, has, what he has done has come out, there's an opportunity here, there's a reason here for David no longer to be king. Think about this for a moment. Just think about this from a, a purely uh, logical understanding that the king has had an affair with one of the people in his army, and then he killed that soldier in his army so that no one would know. Do you think there's an opportunity for here for the normal average person to say, I don't want David to be my king anymore? Now let's think about it from a spiritual aspect. God got rid of the first king, Saul, for what seemed to be less sin than this. Would, would God have been justified in removing David from being the king of his people? Of course he would have. David could have lost everything. David could have lost his reputation. David could have lost his kingdom. David could have lost his position and his power. I mean, everything that David had could be lost in this confession. Which makes sense why he was hiding it. Right? From, from a logical standpoint. Let's look a little deeper into his prayer. He asked God to cleanse him and he asked God to restore him. Did David, look at it again, let's look at verse 12. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your righteous, generous spirit. Do you notice what's absent from this prayer? David is not, not praying, Lord, restore my kingdom. Restore my power. Restore my possessions. Restore my reputation. Restore my position. What is he asking for? Restore the presence of God in his life. Restore the joy he had of fellowship with his creator. You know what sin in our life robs us from? That intimate fellowship with God, our creator. David longed for that again. I, I thought through this for a moment this week. Three questions I want to ask you, and we'll move on to the third point. Maybe there's, maybe there's sin in your life. We, we could classify it as small, medium, or large, right? It doesn't matter. It's, it's sin before God. And here's three questions. Are you more concerned with saving face than saving grace? Is your pride keeping you from just, God, I'm a sinner, and I need grace. I, I call out for you for mercy. Are you concerned with losing the blessing or the blesser? Are you concerned with losing the blessing or the blesser? The third one, they're all similar. Are you in love with God's provision or God the provider? Are you in love with God's provision or God the provider? There's a big difference in there. And if we're in love with God and we want his grace, we need to ask God to cleanse us, God to restore us, and to repent. 
So David asked three things. God, cleanse me. God, restore me. The third one, he asked, God, use me. God, use me. Verse 13. So he asked God to cleanse him and restore him, and then he, he puts a condition on it. God, hey, God, if you will cleanse me and if you will restore me and, and let me have fellowship with you again, I will, look what verse 13 says, then I will teach transgressors your ways. Sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of the bloodshed of God, that the God of my salvation, my tongue, shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praises. Do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. Do not delight in burnt offerings, the sacrifices of God, or what? A broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. David says, God, if, if you'll cleanse me, and you'll restore me, I will proclaim how great and how merciful and how righteous and how holy and how forgiving and how just and how loving you are. And Psalms chapter 32 is David keeping his promise. God forgave him. God restored him. God continued to use him. And what did David do? He sang the praises of his creator. There on your bulletin, the last few things that is written there. Listen, brokenness leads to forgiveness. Maybe this morning what you need to do is be broken before God. Listen, hiding the sin and unconfessing your sin is only tearing you up. And this morning God may be revealing to you that you need to, you need to be broken before God and say, God, I have sinned. And against you, I have sinned. Brokenness leads to forgiveness. You see the pattern here? Forgiveness now leads to what? Restoration. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad that God gave David a second chance. And what was written about David after he died? He was a man after God's own heart. How could, how could David be a, a man after God's own heart with this wicked sin? I mean, adultery and murder. Confession. Brokenness leads to forgiveness. Forgiveness leads to restoration. And restoration leads to what? Usefulness. Listen, God can still use you. God can still restore you. God can forgive you. But listen, he can't restore you and he can't use you and he can't forgive you until you do what? Until you ask. This morning, in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to continue in worship. And we have an opportunity for you to come forward. And here's what I'm afraid of this morning. Here's what I'm afraid of this morning. That there's some of you sitting out there this morning and God is wrestling with you and you're wrestling with God and you know 
that there's some things in your life you need to confess. And here's what's going to happen. Here's what I understand is going to happen. This is what I'm afraid is going to happen. You're going to sit out there this morning like, if I walk forward, everyone in here is going to think the worst of me. Look, can we just all be honest this morning? We all kind of think that at some times. Just raise your hand. You kind of think that. Someone's going to judge me. Put your hand up. Be honest. We all think it. So I'm going to ask you that question again. Are you more concerned with saving face than saving grace? Listen, you cannot experience the grace of God until you ask for it. You cannot experience the mercy of God until you confess. No matter how big or how little or how in between your sin is, maybe God is asking you today to take a step and say, come down to this altar and say, God, I'm making it right today. I want forgiveness and I want restoration and I want to be used of you. Guys, it's not going to happen sitting out there. And can I be completely honest with you? If people in the room are walking with God, when they see you walk forward, they're not going to judge you. They're going to celebrate what you're doing. Amen. And if they don't celebrate what you're doing, then they need to leave. Amen. If you can't celebrate with someone who is confessing and seeking God and asking God for restoration, listen, where grace has been given, grace should be given. Amen. And everyone in this room we came to Christ the same way, a wicked, terrible sinner in need of grace. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? I'm going to ask Ben to come and prepare for our worship this morning. Please, this morning, don't let your pride keep you from making things right with God. And maybe this morning what needs to happen in this room is that somebody needs to walk across the other side of the room and grab someone and make a confession right there to someone before they come confess to God. Don't expect things to get better if you're not willing to deal with it. God's forgiveness can't reach where you haven't repented. God's mercy can't get where you haven't confessed. And maybe this morning, you just need to come forward and say, God, thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for salvation. Grace was free to me, but Jesus paid the price. And God, I just want to come forward this morning and thank you for the grace of God in my life. We'll have people down here at the front in a moment, and we'll be facing you. If you'd like us to pray with you, we would love to do that. If you want to give your life to Christ like we talked about earlier, we would love to show you how. If you'd like to join this church, I know some of you already planning to come forward this morning, we would love to pray with you as well. Please hear me this morning, hear my heart this morning. If God is revealing sin in your life, don't walk out of here without walking down here and confessing it to God. Yes, I know you can do it where you're seated. I understand that. 
And maybe God wants you to humble yourself this morning. Seek his face at this altar. God, we come before you today, and Lord, we are, we are humble that we have grace. We are humble this morning that as wicked as David was, God, you freely forgave him. You restored him. You continue to use him. God, I pray this morning if someone here has never given their life to you, that they would, they would take that step this morning. They would walk forward and they would shake someone's hand up here. And they would simply say, I need to give my life to Jesus. Lord, if there's people in the room that are dealing with sin in their life, God, that whether we can classify it as big or small, God, it's all the, it's all the same before your eyes, that, that they would just walk forward this morning and confess. Maybe someone needs to walk forward this morning and just thank you for grace. Lord, we want to celebrate you, we want to worship you, and we want to be thankful for Jesus. As we're in the spirit of worship this morning, we stand with me this morning. We're going we're gonna to sing together. We're going to worship together. And if God has spoken to you, don't, don't worry about what people are thinking. Come see God today.